This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. I'm speaking on the home and on the family. And I'm going to say some things in today's message that may probably make some of you very uncomfortable. But I think one of the things that happens in the church, in the body of Christ, is that sometimes we get too comfortable. And when we get too comfortable, we get to a place where we're not in the word, we're not doing the things of the word. And when we get too comfortable, the things of the word really do not matter to us like they did at one time or like they should. And, but let me say this, there, there, there comes a place and a point in time where this thing that we all know, the word stagnant, we all know what that word means. And I don't care who you are, where you've been, what you've done, from the pulpit to the pew, if we're not careful and we're not in the word, living the word, if we're not doing what Jesus said in Matthew 5, he said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And he said, and glorify me. If that's not what's happening in your life and in your family today, let me tell you this. As I, I'm not going to be re- redundant and say all the things that I did last Sunday because it set the foundation of the message of, of the series that we're in, how to fortify your family, how to strengthen your family with the whole armor of God. But I will tell you this. If you're not in the Word, your family will suffer. And some of the things today that we're going to talk about, listen, it's not meant to be with a stinger. I'm here to help you. I I do counseling all the time. Sometimes there are people in the community that call me. Sometimes there are people in other states, Oklahoma and Arkansas. I can tell you all around the country, people call me and say, can I pick your brain? Can I ask you some questions? Will you help me? And I help people all the time, no matter where they are, no matter who they are. I would like for you to Think about this series. There are eight sermons in this series. Today is sermon number two. And I would like to think this morning that I could stand before you and I would like for you to think with me that this is one big counseling session, but it's going to be delivered and given with the word of God. And I pray that you would take it as such because I guarantee you right now, you're watching by internet today. I don't know who you are, where you are, where you're watching from, but I guarantee you, that there are some people that I'm speaking to this morning on the internet and sitting right here before me this morning that you're hanging on by a thread. You've got wayward children you don't know what to do with. You're on your last nerve. You're facing a situation where you don't know what to do. None of your restrictions, none of your punishments are working. You cry yourself to sleep at night. Some that I'm speaking to here this morning or some of you that are watching today, listen, you're, you're dealing with a relationship right now that's hanging on by a thread. Some of you in that relationship, you're on your last nerve. You're on your last leg. 
Some that are listening to me right now, you know, you won't admit it, but you know that your relationship, your family is about ready to disintegrate before your eyes. And you want to think and fool yourself to another day that everything is okay. But I want to help you this morning in the word of God to get beyond that deception, face the truth, and deal with it according to the word of God. So today we're talking about how to fortify your family with the whole armor of God. And today we're talking about the girdle of truth. I'm going to read this passage of scripture and you have your bulletin card there. uh, And it says Ephesians chapter six, uh, verse 14. But I want to start with verse number 11. Let's do that. Let's start with verse 11 and work our way through verse number 14. The Bible says, and the apostle Paul is speaking, he says, put on the whole armor of God, not some of it, not part of it, not most of it, but he said, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against. And we talked about how in verse number 11 and verse number 12, the word against is mentioned six times. That means Paul wants us to know with great emphasis that the devil is against us. And so he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You see, you have to fortify yourself. You have to know the ways of the devil. You have to be mentally adjusting to that. You have to be spiritually adjusting to that emotionally. It's going to happen. It's not when or if, but it's happening. It's happening now. The devil's coming against your your family, your home now. Now, listen to this, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, all of it. He emphasizes that in verse number 11 and verse number 13, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And so last Sunday, we set the tone of the message with the cornerstone. Now today we start talking about the pieces of the armor of God. And look at this very carefully. Paul says, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. This morning we're going to talk about truth and how important that is. Now there's a statement in verse number 14 that you're not familiar with. And by God's grace, I hope that I can explain this so it'll be a little bit more familiar to you when you leave the service today and when you pick up your Bible and read it again. And the statement is this, having your loins girt about. What does that mean? I wonder how many times have you opened the Bible and you've read a sentence, you read a verse, you read a passage, and it leaves you in awe or it leaves you in a place where you're saying, I have no idea what that means. Well, let me give you a word of encouragement. If you ever come across, and you will, like I do, we have to study. But when you come across a passage in the Bible that you don't understand what it means, don't shrug it off. Here's the best advice I could give you. Believe it. No matter what it is, no matter what it says. If it's in the Bible, it's the truth. 
And that's what we're talking about today, the girdle of truth. I think one of the most important things that we need in our family today, listen carefully, is truth. Now, in all honesty, and I believe that most of you will agree with me today, in all honesty, the truth is not always the best news to receive. Sometimes the truth will be uneasy. Sometimes the truth will not always be pleasant. Sometimes the truth will not always be comfortable. It will not always be received well. But regardless, the truth is the essential news that we all need. It's the essential word that we all need. In fact, the word says this in John 8, 32, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. All of us want to be able to know truth. All of us should be able to tell the truth from fiction. All of us ought to be able to do that. Now, we may not always want to hear the truth. In fact, I've, I've had people to tell me this before in the past. They would say, uh, I, I just don't want to hear about that. I just don't want to know about that. I don't, want to, I, don't know the, I don't want to know the truth. Because the truth is not always easy to deal with. But when you, when you cut through all of that facade and you're in a private moment, the real deal is this, and I believe it to be true for everybody in this auditorium and those of you that are watching, when you put aside the facade, I think when it comes down to the real nitty-gritty, as it's been said, here's the thing. I believe we all want to know the truth. I want you to think about that this morning. Here's the deal. Do we not all want to know the truth about the relationships that we're in? Every single one of us this morning want to know that. We want to know that what we're dealing with, what we're living with, what we are encountering, we all want to know the truth about that. In fact, listen carefully, and this will affect many people that are watching today, many people that are listening today. Do we not all truthfully want to know the truth about our children? Think with me this morning. We all want to know the truth about what our children are involved in, or listen carefully, that should never be on the far down slope of Things that are not your priority. Your priority, number one, let me tell you what your first number one priority is. The first thing that you ought to have on your list as a priority, as a believer, is what Paul said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. The first thing that ought to be on your list of priorities as a born-again believer is to learn more about Jesus and more about his word, to put Jesus first because he said, when I'm lifted up, he said, I will draw all men nigh to me. So there ought not to be anything above the Lord Jesus Christ. But secondly, the most important thing to you this morning ought to be the well-being and the welfare of your home and your family. Do you know before there was a church 
there was a family. I believe every person here today that's involved with the upbringing, the grooming, the responsibility of raising children. Listen, if it's not on the list of your priorities at the second spot on the list, then you're headed for disaster. And you can camouflage it. You can hope for the best. You can wish for the best. But if it's not sacredly put, number two, you're in trouble. All of us as parents, whether we're raising children or whether we are nurturing grandchildren, we ought to be very concerned about what they're saying. We, want to, we should want to know the truth about what they're learning. We should know the truth. We ought to know the truth. We should want to know the truth about what they're doing and what they're watching. We ought to know the truth. We ought to need uh, this thing in our home and our family. We ought to crave it. We need to understand and we need to listen for the truth of what they're listening to. We need to know the truth about who their associations are and what their activities are. Listen carefully. You are are not parenting well if any of these things do not matter to you. You say, Pastor, that's strong preaching. I haven't even started this. I want you to understand we're not raising dogs. We're raising children who are the heritage of God. And everybody that's raising them or you're nurturing them, you have a place of involvement in your life. It's imperative that we do this. Now, listen, don't you, you have to know the truth about your relationship. You have to know the truth about what you're dealing with in your children's lives. They have to be prioritized in your life. And listen, don't you want to know the truth about your health? Now, think about this. I mean, you want to know... What, whether the test was good or bad, and you want to know the truth about that. You, you want to hear from your doctor, what can you do? You want to hear from your doctor what the truth of the treatment is. You want to know, even if it's bad, do you have a short term? Or is this long term? You want to know the truth. I mean, if your doctor told you to go home, you're desperately hurting and you're desperately in need. And your doctor told you to go home and take two ibuprofen, stop by the Dollar Tree on the way home and get you a lucky rabbit's foot and stroke it three times a day and hope for the best. Would you want something like that? Absolutely not. You want to know the truth about your relationship. You want to know the truth about your children and what they are involved in. You want to know the truth about your health. And let me say this, we unequivocally should want to know the truth about God's word and what it says. Let me share with you two major things this morning, two major truths from God's word. And listen, those of you that are parenting, those of you that are raising children, you're nurturing grandchildren, let me share with you two imperative truths today. And I pray to God that at some point you would teach your children these two truths. The first of which is found in John chapter 6 and verse number 13. I'm not giving you a bunch of jazz today and a bunch of stuff of, of self-helps and all this stuff. Listen, what I'm sharing with you today is coming from God's holy word. 
In John chapter 16, verse number 13, let me tell you what the Bible says about truth. And this concerns the Holy Spirit. Look at this. How be it when he, that's talking about the Holy Ghost of God, the spirit of truth is come. And we know that he came on the day of Pentecost. Listen to the word. He will guide you. Look at this. Not in most of the truth, some of the truth, part of the truth. The word of God says that he will guide you into all truth. And if you are a student of the word to where you write in the Bible, I would encourage you this morning to underline those words into all truth, all truth. And maybe put parentheses around all truth because I'm going to show you something very different than that in just a moment, but all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whosoever he shall hear that he shall speak, he will show you things to come. Now, if there was one Bible principle that I would teach my children today, and it's because they're going to need the Holy Spirit in their life for many things. They're going to need to depend upon the Holy Spirit for many things in their life, and I want them to know, you should want them to know that when they come to the crossroads of their life that they can always count on the Holy Spirit because he's not going to tell them part of it. He's going to lead them and guide them into all truth and you should have it as a priority that they can always trust the Holy Spirit. And then John eight forty four. I want you to see this and this is imperative and this is another truth. You should teach those that you're raising and nurturing and the admonition of the Lord. And this concerns the devil. What I just said concerns the Holy Spirit. This concerns the devil. John 8, 44. Ye are of your father the devil, and, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Look at this now, because there is no truth in him. And again, if you're writing in your Bible, underline those words, no truth. There is no truth in the devil. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So here's the thing that you can count on, absolutely. And I would want my children to know this. I would want my grandchildren to know this. Listen carefully. When it comes to spiritual things, you can always count on the Holy Spirit of God. He will tell you all truth. He will never lead you astray. As a believer, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And when you begin to err or when you come to crossroads, when you need to make decisions and you need wisdom, you can always count on the Holy Spirit to tell you the truth. And those that you're nurturing and and leading along, they need to understand this, that while the Holy Spirit has all truth, there is absolutely no truth in the ways of the devil. Your children should know this. It ought to be something that you're teaching them. I believe this, one of the main activities of the devil is that he goes around to deceive people. We know the word says there's a roaring lion seeking whom he may uh, destroy. But look at this. I believe that one of his main activities is that he goes around deceiving people. In fact, he is behind all deception that we've just read in John 8, 44. Here's the thing. The devil will use deception to create much or as much disruption and confusion in your family that he possibly can. Deception. Keep in mind that the very first attack on creation goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. 
It was then and there that the devil assaulted the very first family of the human race by casting doubt, deception on God's holy word. I want you to see this in Genesis 3.1. They'll get it on the screens a whole lot faster than you can turn. But I want you to see this in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said unto the woman, look at this, hath God said. You see this right here? Look at this. When Satan asked Eve this question, hath God said? Do you know what that means? He was saying to Eve, does does God really mean that? You see, he began to cast doubt on her mind, and this doubt was being woven with deception. Does God really mean that? Look at this. Hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? He was casting doubt on that. The devil wanted to deceive Eve into thinking that God, what he had said, really wasn't all that bad anyway. Hath he said this? Does he really mean that? You see, the devil wanted Eve to think that God just wants to scare you. God just wants you to think that uh, you can uh, become uh, just where you are. He wants you to think that you will be no better than you are. And he wants to limit you from what you really can become. The serpent was saying this, God doesn't want you to know that you're going to like this a whole lot better than what he said you could have. You see, the devil does that every single day. He's clever. He deceives people. And listen to this. What I'm saying this morning, going across the internet all over America, into many homes today and many homes represented here this morning, let me tell you this. There are many families all over the world that are in ruin because of deception. The devil may want you to think that pornography in the privacy of your own home is okay. He may want you to think that immorality or infidelity is okay because he's got you thinking that no one will find out about it. He may want you to think that you try this thing that's going to addict you, whether it's drug or whether it's booze. He may say, hey, you do this for a little while. You're stressed out. You've got all these issues going on. What you need to do is to smoke a little weed. What you need to do is get high for a little bit. Maybe what you need to do is check out at 5 o'clock and check into Margaritaville just for a little bit. Just for a little bit. And get your troubles off of your mind. Take a break from the world. Take a break from all of the stress. But let me tell you this. When the devil begins to creep into your life and you're raising children and you begin to do these things, or you may find out that your children are involved in these things if they're not on the list of your priorities. 
But keep in mind this, that as the devil weaves his way in and out of your life, he will never show you. He, will, he may look at all of these things that he has to offer you. He may put you in a situation where he's saying, well, I, I know he's going to fall here. I know he can't handle this. I know she's weak here. And the devil knows exactly what to do. He's got his fiery darts. The Bible says he's coming against us. And here's the thing. He doesn't come to you and shows you a mental institution where a child or a parent is confined for the rest of their life because their mind is just rotted away from addictions of some sort. Have you ever noticed that when they show the beer commercials on television... Usually at this time of the year, they're going to give you a beautiful snow-capped mountain. And they're going to give you those beautiful Budweiser horses that just roam out into the field. They look so pretty. The snow has fallen in the night. And some beautiful woman is coming out there barefoot, strolling around. Who does that in a fur coat? But what it doesn't show you is this. Those of you that have frequently traveled to the Outer Banks and you've gone through Kill Devil Hills, halfway between Kill Devil Hills and the town of Nags Head by the Dairy Queen, there were, they've removed them now, put a big billboard up, but there were four crosses on the highway and four children were on spring break they had just come out of a car wash washing the car and this lady had been bar hopping all night long I won't mention her last name but her first name was Melissa and when she had left that bar completely drunk out of her mind, she hit the car of these teenagers head on. There were five people in the car, one lived, four died. And if you've ever gone through Kill Devil Hills and Nagshead and you looked on the side of the Dairy Queen and you saw those four crosses, that's why they're there. Now today there's a big billboard remembering them. The point I'm trying to make is this. The devil knows where we're weak. He knows where we're vulnerable. He knows what we think is not serious. He knows what we think is not to be considered in our heart or in our life to be monumental because it's in the privacy of my home. I'm not affecting anybody. I'm not hurting anybody. But let me tell you this. He knows how to make all of these things so attractive that even sometimes we say, everybody's doing it. 
The devil will never, when he comes to you with all of these sorts of temptation, let me assure you of something. He will never show you the true sordid story of the ending, how it all goes wrong. In fact, let me ask this question today as we're talking about fortifying the family with the whole armor of God. How many of us would love to go back and relive some horrible chapter in our life because we made some bad decisions that were made upon deception? We were deceived. Listen, in order to come to a place where we really want God to work in our heart in order to overcome and fortify yourself and your family, then you must know and have the unshakable confidence that the front line of defense that we have as believers against the devil is the knowledge of the word of God. It's the truth in this book that will protect us and our family from the wiles of the devil. It's the whole armor of God. Now listen, in many places of the scripture, God compares us as soldiers. In fact, he says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 3, he said, therefore, endure hardness, look at this, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. God in his word compares us as onward Christian soldiers multiple times. And this is one of the reasons why he and the writers of scripture uses armor as an analogy. And here's what I want you to think about this morning. When we read this scripture in Ephesians 6 verse number 14 and the list of armor that Paul mentions in the cornerstone of the scripture today, it's interesting to me that in all of the armor that he lists, first of all, the girdle of truth. I want to talk about that for a moment. Look, look again with me in Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 14. He says, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. He's talking about the girdle of truth. Now you would think that the first thing that was mentioned in this array of armor maybe would have been the sword or the shield, or the spear. But look at this. He mentions, and he gives honorable mention over every other piece of armor. He mentions the belt, the girdle of truth. Now, when you look at the Roman uniform, you think about this. It puts a better understanding on it because the Roman soldier, and let me use my back brace just for a moment. If you look at this and consider this to be a belt, Paul said this, and he mentions first, the first thing he mentions, he says, is the belt. When he says, put on the whole armor of God, he said, put on the girdle of truth. He mentions the belt first. Now, why is that? Why did he mention that above everything else? Think about how important the belt is for a police officer. Think about what he's carrying. He's got his radio. He's got his armor. He's got his pistol. He's got his bullets. He's got his baton. He's got his handcuffs. You think about everything that the belt holds. Now, if he didn't have the belt on and he had to put all these things in his pockets and he's doing everything he needs to do, can you imagine he would look worse than Barney Fife. If he had all of this stuff tucked away all over him in pockets. But you see, the belt 
holding every piece of his equipment, serves him in a wonderful way. And Paul is saying this and he likes or likens the importance of the armor of God to the girdle of truth. And I did a little research on this. And by the way, I don't know how many of you ever studied this. It may mean absolutely nothing to you, but back in the days of Jesus, back in the days of the Roman military, they had what was called tunics. Tunics were just basically robes that they tied around them. And uh, the, the, the man's tunic opened in the front, the lady's tunic opened in the back, and it was just like a, a cloak type of a thing. And the belt put around the tunic, the belt held everything else that they were carrying or using close, and it was very accessible to them. If they had a longer tunic, they took that tunic and they went to the four corners and they wrapped it up and then they put the belt on, the girdle of truth. They would fold it underneath their legs to keep from getting tangled up. And so this was called, listen, this is, this is scripture now. When, when the tunic was a little longer and they took the four corners and they tucked it up and held it close to their body and then they put the belt on, this is what is called the girding of the loins. That's important. Because you read a scripture like Ephesians chapter 6 and you come to a place and it says, take up this girdle and gird up your loins, the word says. So you look at verse 14, stand therefore having your loins gird about with truth. So he's saying this, take, take the girdle now, this isn't a spiritual application, but I want you to see it physically. The Roman soldier would take the girl, he pulled up close, and then what he would do is he would take the belt, he would tie the belt, the girdle of truth. That process is what is called the girding of your loins. Paul uses that analogy when he gets to this armor of God, and I want you to look at it again in Ephesians six fourteen. Stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth, with truth. Now, this is the spiritual application. I just give you, given you the, the physical uh, degree of that. But look here. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness. And so, truthfully, we don't use this terminology anymore. We don't use the word loins anymore. Better, so to better have an understanding of this, Paul is paraphrasing the first piece of armor this way. He is referring to getting the robe out of your way. He is saying the belt or the girdle, it kept the breastplate close to you and secure. And by the way, the girdle or the belt also held the sheath for the sword. And so the spiritual application is this. Paul is saying that as the belt or the girdle was extremely important to the Roman soldier, he is saying that the belt of truth, the truth is essential for us as believers. Now, how do we use that? How do we use the girdle of truth? Well, listen very carefully. Let me give you this. You have your card. Let's read carefully. Our time is going fast. You have to, every single day, you've got to read the Bible. Do you do that? 
Do you read the word of God every day or do you just depend upon me on Sundays and Wednesdays? Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse number 19 says this, and it shall be with him and he shall read, look at this, therein all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to them. Number two, okay, first of all, you've got to read it. Number two, you've got to study it. This is important. How, how do you use the armor of God? Listen now, you put on the girdle of truth. You've got to know the truth. And then when you have the truth, you read it and then you study it. Second Timothy chapter two and verse number 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then look at this carefully. Not only do you have to read it, not only do you have to study it, but you have to memorize it. And I want to ask you an important question here. And I want to give you a homework assignment as well. Look at this. You have to memorize it. In Psalms chapter 119, verse number 11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. What I want you to do when you get home today, maybe at halftime, because you're going to watch that game just like I am. But maybe at halftime or maybe tonight when the games are over, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out a piece of paper and not be distracted. And let me ask you this question. That I might hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. You see, you've got to memorize the truth. The truth is important. The truth holds everything else in place. Let me ask you this question. Can you write down on a piece of paper 10 Ten Bible verses by heart that you've learned throughout the seasons of your life. Can you do that? Can you write ten? Number one, go ahead and do it. I'll give you the first one, John 3, 16. So I can't, I can't learn that, Pastor. I, I, you know, I, I'm just too distracted. I'm, I'm too old. Listen, let me help you with the second one, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. So I've given you the first two. Can you go home today and write out on a piece of paper 10, only 10, 10 righteous people would have saved Sodom and Gomorrah and 10 verses may save your family. Can you write down 10 verses that you've learned through your life? You see, we've got to memorize the word of God and then you've got to practice the word of God because no one just some of it and is only half of it. You've got to practice it. In fact, Matthew 5, 16, and I, I referred to this just a moment ago. The word says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. But not only do you have to just practice it, but you've got to share it. Jesus gave the great commission in Matthew chapter 28, verse number 18. And he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I said this Wednesday night that every single one of us are preachers. Every single one of us are missionaries. The great commission has been given to us all to preach the gospel to every creature, all of us. And so what we've got to do when we read it and we study it and we memorize it and we practice it, what good is all of that if we don't share it? Here's the thing about the gospel and the word. It's all about this one beggar telling another beggar where he found the bread. 
And all of us have to be involved in that. Every believer has the responsibility to know the truth of God's word. If you cannot sit down and write 10 for just 10 verses that you've learned by heart, then you need to get into the word of God and study it. Ephesians 1 verse number 13, look at this in 14 and verse 18, and I want our musicians to come forward. The Bible says this, Ephesians chapter 1, and whom you also trusted after that ye had heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that ye believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, verse 14, until the redemption of of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Go down to verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is that hope of his calling and what the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. So listen carefully. When it comes down to the word of God, don't just take my word for it. Open your Bible and follow it and see if it's not the truth. I want to tell you something today. And listen very carefully. And I've said this in many funerals before, and you could hear a pin drop. I pray that's the case with you this morning because I'm going to say something to you right now that might seem to be the most shocking statement that you have ever heard in your life. And you're going to say that's not true. That's not true. That's, that's not what the Bible says. And I understand that. So listen carefully. But don't make the judgment until you hear me out. Let me assure you of something when it comes to the truth. Jesus Christ, listen carefully, is not the best way to heaven. Jesus Christ is not your good way to heaven. Jesus Christ is not another way to heaven. Jesus Christ is not the good deed to heaven. I'm telling you today, Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. He said, I am the way, the what? Truth and the life, and he said, no man comes to the Father but by me. So it matters not what many theologians say today, what talk show hosts say today. It doesn't matter. I'm telling you this. You have the word of God in your lap. It is the truth. And Jesus said, I am the way, the tr- not another way, not the best way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. You have to know what's in this book because the storms are going to come against your family and the least you know about this book, uh, the more it's going to wreck your life and wreck your family. But the more you know about it, it's going to give you the advantage in the day of adversity. Lastly, let me go through this real quickly. I'm not going to expound upon it. You need to know some of these very simple truths. If I were you and you're not having family devotions in your home, you're not sitting down with your children at some point of the day. Gail and I do this in the morning. We open our devotional book. Right now we're reading the book by James Dobson and his wife. We're reading the book called A Silent Light. Uh, and it has wonderful devotions in it. And we do that. When our grandkids come over, we sit down at the table. We have family devotions with them. If you're not having family devotions, then listen carefully. Let me encourage you to start today. It will help your home. And here's the things that you need to teach your family in that setting. And I'm not going to go through the scriptures. They, They are there for you on the card. Read them when you get home. But your children need to know, and they need to hear it from you, that Jesus Christ died for their sins. They need to understand that no one else can save us from our sins but Jesus. 
And they need to know that if we ask to be saved, according to the word of God, we can be saved. And the truth of the matter is that if we die in our sin apart from Jesus Christ, that we will die and go to hell. Listen, you cannot take chances with your children, hoping that they're going to figure it out, hoping that they're going to go in the right way, just hoping that they're going to make it. You've got to sit down with your home, your family, your children, your grandchildren, and you've got to teach them the word of God. You have to do it. Every leader of the home should make sure that every member of your household knows these eternal truths. Listen carefully. What did Jesus defeat Satan with in the temptation? Was it palm branches? Was it olive branches? Was it stones from the brook? He used scripture. I'm not going to go into these scriptures today. We're past our time. But I want you to know something, that putting on the truth of the scripture is the girding up of the loins, which Paul's talking about. Gird yourself up with, with the truth. Put the truth all around you. I'm, I'm very concerned today about our families. Because, and you say, well, preacher, why are you concerned about the families? Because, number one, there's an eternal matter in the situation, which is paramount. But listen very carefully. Our church or our churches will only be as strong as its members. Can I have a witness? So let me assure you of something. And Gail and I have made this a priority in our home. We have recently decided that when our grandchildren come to our table, no one leaves. By the way, we have dinner at the table. We get all we get we get them all now. They might be sitting over here at the counter. Might, we don't have room enough for everybody at the table one time. I wish we did, but they're in a, they're in arms reach from us. But we've made it very clear: you don't leave the table until we've opened the Word of God and we've shared the Scripture. And then what we do, we go around and let each one of them give a prayer request. And then I pray. Why do you do that, preacher? Because I realize there's an eternal situation here. I realize we've got to fortify our family with the whole armor of God. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.